Hello and welcome to For Your Reconsideration, a film podcast in which three film school graduates reassess the maligned, underseen or financially disappointing films from filmmakers far more talented than they are. We assess whether these pictures deserved a less than optimal reception they got on release and whether they're now worthy of your time or should remain in the obscure hinterland they currently occupy. My name's Rob and as always I'm joined by my cinema-loving chums, Simon and James. How are you doing, gents? Very well, thank you, Robert. Uh, I'm I'm all right. I had a bit of a um, I'm I'm all right considering my accident this morning. I had a bit of a bad time this morning. Oh, what Ooh, drama! Please, please tell us. So you know when you're like at the train station and uh, the speaker over the tannoy goes, "Mind the gap." Uh, yeah, I didn't mind the gap, and I fell down the gap. <laughs> and... <laughs> no, no, I can't believe I trivialised this a second ago. I'm so sorry. Uh, so my left leg is completely bruised. My pride is. Practically zero, uh, because I <laughs> fell in front of a massive group of people waiting for the train. <laughs> well, I mean, I that's a pictured... massive rookie error in London, isn't it? Where <laughs> being able to uh, navigate public transport is seen oh. as a, just a basic level of skill, isn't it, really? Oh, it was, it was <laughs> very I always imagine you'd get sucked underneath the train if you didn't mind the gap. Did that not happen? Well, well but... mercifully, it didn't. I mean, unless this podcast comes to us from beyond the grave. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> the the train was there and uh, the doors opened and there was a lady stood in front of me and she went to step on the train but then at the last minute she decided to stop on the, the step of the train so I was already in mid-step as well and I had nowhere to go apart from the gap so that's where I ended up <laughs> She didn't even say sorry, but it was, it's fine, whatever. You should have used her as a plank. <laughs> Gang plank. Uh, we, we hope you've all had a good week. Uh, we certainly have. As always, we're watching stuff at the same time as uh, reviewing films from yesteryear. Uh, what have you guys been watching this week? Uh, well, for me, outside of the film we'll be discussing this evening, uh, it's been a bit of a film-free week for me. I've been catching up on a lot of TV, so... Um, the best thing I've probably watched, I mean, obviously I'm absolutely obsessed with the new Partridge on the BBC. It's absolutely superb. It's one of the funniest things I've seen in a long, long I've time. I've still not seen the latest episode. I need to watch that. Oh, it's so no. good. I, I was watching it on my uh, in the canteen on my day job. And honestly, there's a moment in it that uses some de-aging special effects where I literally thought I was going to have to leave the room. Like, just put my tablet down and just go. I was just grinning like a maniacal idiot. And, you know, everyone's just... I could see people looking in my direction. It got incredibly uncomfortable. Um, so, yeah, yeah, that's probably my... Uh, that's my favourite thing from this week. But I also finished uh, Russian Doll on Netflix, which is excellent. Oh, nice. I started watching that, but I, I, got, I got to, like, episode three. I need to pick that back up yeah i found that i'm i'm saying it's excellent but i probably had the same issues as you as i struggled with the first couple of episodes i didn't really like the characters and things but it really picks up and gets very very interesting as it progresses cool cool nice um i went to the cinema on monday and uh watched captain marvel because i love me some generic comic book movies um (laughs) It was good. How I, was it? Was it good? Yeah, any good? Yeah, I enjoyed it. There, there was a lot to really like about it. It took a while to warm to Carol Danvers. Um, she's a bit cocky. But it's really funny how annoyed all like rabid, nerdy males are getting over it because <laughs> there, was that, there was a time where Brie Larson jokingly said that she doesn't care about the opinions of old white men on a film about a young black girl, which was A Wrinkle in Time. 
which I thought was pretty fair, to be honest, because everyone slated it. And it's like, but if you don't relate to it, then you're not going to obviously like it. And the majority of critics being old white men meant it had a really low review. Maybe it's a film we revisit on this podcast in the future. I don't know. Well, I'd be I'd be game, definitely. At least that way I'll I'll either hear of it or watch it. <laughs> Most of the time doing this. Robert Parker, the host of a film podcast, everybody. <laughs> Yet again, during one of the intros uh during the week, all I can think of that's going through my mind is Manuel in Faulty Towers going, K <laughs> when you guys talk about what you've watched this week. If it's not got Steven Seagal in it, no idea. And as we've learned as well, if it ain't got Van Damme, you ain't gonna get very far with me. Um <laughs> No, uh, my uh, watching this week has really been dominated by, um, I was asked by my wife to build a set of shelves and I needed something to watch while I was doing that. And uh, I watched the pilot for, James, I can see you blinking and shaking your head. (laughs) I watched the pilot for um, the Kevin Bacon TV show, The Following. Um, and it inspired me to actually watch the next four episodes. Uh, And I actually really enjoyed it. Um, Yeah, I've seen that. I it's good, that. isn't it? Yeah, yeah. It, it's um, the first. I really enjoyed the first season, and then it sort of suffers from diminishing returns. I right, found. right, but, yeah. right. But yeah, no, I was I was absolutely gripped by that when it, yeah, when it was he, first he's on the actually, air. Bacon is box office, man. He really is. Um, I've loved him since uh, Footloose and uh, Tremors. Oh yeah. He's brilliant, and he brings uh, to that a role that, um, I mean, it could be phoned in massively, that role, but he doesn't do that. So, yeah, I really enjoyed that. Really cool, enjoyed that. Cool. Yeah, that's quite good, that show, Rob. It's not bad for you. It is, yeah, yeah. Are you proud of me? <laughs> yes. <laughs> I thought you were going to say something like, you watched a YouTube video of how to put said Ikea set together. <laughs> <laughs> you know, as if the whole scenario wasn't embarrassing. That's enough, why I was shaking know? my head. Sorry, I'm, I'm not <laughs> to give you much more credit in future. So, uh, the, <laughs> without further ado, this week's movie, I think, Simon, this was your choice, wasn't it, man? Uh, yeah, it was. Um, I feel I'm throwing a bit of a curveball today because um, I'm picking a film. Well, f- firstly, I was really not expecting to feature on this podcast, really, because I always thought it was held in such high regard since the first time I saw it. I thought everyone loved it. I thought it was regarded as a masterpiece. Um, but let me just, I'll lead with a log line and then we'll go from there. So IMDb has it as. A disaffected soldier returns to his hometown to get even with the thugs who brutalised his mentally challenged brother years ago. So this is, of course, uh, Shane Meadows' quite superb, in my opinion, northern tale of revenge, Dead Man's Shoes. I'm going to have to go back to town in a bit, mate, to sort some business out. I don't want to go, Richard. You don't have to. What did you do to him? What did you do? It's Anthony's brother, isn't it? It's Anthony's brother. You know the lads had this ridiculous idea that yeah, it was me. Making me very nervous, Richard. Well, you should be. If I were you, I'd get in that car and I'd get out of here, man. Because I'd hit you all. You get to me first. He ain't going away, fellas. He's got to get done. God will forgive them. He'll forgive them and allow them into heaven. I can't live without. 
and that is the point where I, I would usually feel like a round of applause should be had, but I can't. We don't want to give away the spoiler alert review for the film so early in the podcast. Um, but um, yeah, you said it wasn't really um, well received at the time. What what um, what were the, the reviews? Uh, how was it received? It's quite a weird one because, I mean, the criteria for this is generally based around Rotten Tomatoes and Metacritic, which is... I'm sure everyone knows by now is like aggregate websites, what takes scores from mainly America. So I think the reason why the scores are so low, so Metacritic has it at 52, uh, Rotten Tomatoes has it at 56%. And it's mainly because the American, especially critical market, did not take to it at all. Um, Or get get it, I would imagine. Or get it. yeah, it's a bit. It's, it's, I was very surprised to see uh, it have a, such a low score. Actually, yeah, yeah, I'm amazed this film qualifies. I've got to be honest. Like, I, I think uh, when you first said that, oh, we're going to do this, my initial response was, why are we doing that? That's not a poorly received film at all. Because I think in England, it was very well reviewed and revered. But then when you go on online and see what the legacy is from the critical response at the time. It's just I can't, I'm I'm befuddled, befuddled. Yeah, because it's quite a low budget film, and it's not on any streaming sites or anything like that. Like you know, you do mm. have to own it on DVD or Blu-ray. I'm not even sure if it is on Blu-ray. To be honest, it is. I managed to. get Oh, did it, you get it, it on Blu-ray? So it was not the easiest to get hold of. I have to be honest. Um, but then, as you say, James, yeah, in the UK, it was just received very well. It made several sort of greatest of all time lists. Like around the time it came out, like in a few years afterwards, uh, particularly in Empire, it, it made quite a few in there. It made it to 27 in their best British films ever list in 2011. Wow. Um, so, yeah, it was. And, that, it and was, that, was a, that was a long, sorry to interrupt, Sam, but that was a long time after it came out as well. It wasn't yeah, like it was fresh in yeah. everyone's mind that, because it was uh, 04, this, wasn't it? Yes, it was, 2004. Um, yeah. Made on a proper shoestring budget of, uh, what, like about £700,000. Yes, yeah, the budget's been a little bit difficult to track down. Uh, it's somewhere between five hundred thousand and seven hundred and fifty thousand. Yeah, and obviously mm. this is a a very independent film, so we're not expecting it to do gangbusters at the um, box at the office. Box yeah. office. It's, it's it's designed for festivals and home video, isn't it? Essentially, which it did uh, well it on, it... on at festivals as well, didn't it? Oh yeah, it yeah. was shortlisted for loads of stuff at festivals, wasn't it? And uh, it, it made five hundred thousand worldwide, from what I've. What I've found, oh, right. so it probably recouped its uh, its budget just on cinema, and then it's obviously been pre-sold for TV and DVD yeah, in foreign yeah. markets. So very profitable film, I think, in the end. Also, Sai, as you were saying there, you know, just to sort of reflect the critical reception that it got here in the UK, Paddy Considine won an Empire Award in 2005 for Best Actor, and that year he beat out Daniel Craig for Layer Cake and Simon Pegg for Shaun of the Dead, which were two wow, massive much films. larger yeah. films at the time. So, uh, And I tend to agree with them. Oh, I, I mean, I think Paddy Considine is unbelievable in this film. He's absolutely yeah, fantastic. he's great. I mean, there's I think across the board, it just, everyone hits their stride right off the bat throughout the whole film, and it's everyone just puts in a, an absolute shift. And even it's like actors who aren't necessarily known for being professional actors, and and yeah. people who are amateur actors or just like low key stage actors or whatever. I mean, I'd never seen Toby Kebbell in anything before this, and he he's an absolute revelation in this. He is 
unbelievable as he's yeah, uh, I, I, I think that's um this is the the I think his performance uh, t- uh what is this we're 15 years old this film now isn't it um his performance is one of the greatest I can remember from the middle of the 2000s I'm sure people will come back and say well you've forgotten this you've forgotten that you've forgotten this but I thought he absolutely inhabited this role which is not an easy role at all no um, and he ca- he came in I, I read that he came in at a week's notice uh, before that, one day. One day? They I mean... had someone cast and he dropped out. He was concerned about playing the... Because um, obviously uh, the character Anthony has learning difficulties. Yeah, yeah. And he was concerned about playing those scenes realistically. So wow. Shane got on the phone to Toby and he just come up on the train. And uh, if you watch the documentary that's actually on the disc, he talks about, oh, he was really worried about when Toby got there that he was going to be like really over the top and, you know, really giving what he describes as a Quasimodo-ish performance. Yes, yeah, yeah. But he actually came with the character fully formed. And he, right, didn't have to, right. and he said, if he comes big, I can bring him down to make him more realistic. Yeah, um, but he actually had the character nailed from the. I mean, it, it's everything. It's the it's the it's the facial tics, the facial expressions, um, the the way he holds his body, the nervous energy, um, everything about it, the the manner of speech, the patter of speech. I just, I think it's just, uh, it's an absolute tour de force. It really yeah. is. He's yeah, got he's like amazing. that sort of uh, excited, sort of nine year old boy sort of yeah, quality yeah. to him hasn't he like he's in a man's body and to look at him you wouldn't think it was any sort of mental deficiency at all it's just yes yeah it's very slight you know he's not like it i wouldn't even go so far as to say he's not playing like a forrest gump-esque no no here. he's not at all is he no you know he's he understands to a certain degree but he's there to be sort of taken advantage of as we see as the film plays out yeah i, I yeah. remember watching this at uni and um with a bunch of housemates we watched it, and afterwards we were all like, "Is that an actor, or did they actually hire someone yeah, who yeah. was like that?" Because it was just so convincing, and and as you say, James, it wasn't Forrest Gump, where it's like not necessarily taking the mick, but it's quite an insensitive portrayal. There's nothing of it. over the top about it. Was but it, it at he all? just, he nothing. just absolutely, yeah, he was, he was unbelievable, and, and that's where all the, I think it's quite emotional and it gets more emotional oh, as the film goes definitely. on and, and it all comes from Kebble and his performance I think and totally if, it, if it was totally a different agree. actor I'm not sure it would have had as much no. as an effect but he's absolutely stunning in it I can't and believe he's, he's not he, a, he isn't as big a superstar as he actually is like he gets some big movies now and again but he's only ever a side character who gets yeah, killed off yeah. halfway through he's, he's had a he's had a decent sort of hollywood career since then hasn't he off the back of this but it sh- for me it should be more i mean he was in um that movie the veteran um he was in the king the kong only... film as well wasn't he he was, yeah, oh, he was kong, excellent yeah. in that yeah he, uh, he was kong got... wasn't he and he was he brilliant was, yeah. in that as his little support role as well uh, he sort of d- adopted like a latter day sort of Andy Serkis thing because he's also yeah, in one of yeah, the Planet yeah. of the Apes movies. He is, isn't yeah, he? Yeah, he's he is. Those, yeah, yeah, yeah. So he's doing um, He's sort of moving it because he's such a physically accomplished actor. He can do that motion capture stuff as well. I suppose when Andy Serkis is either also in the film or is not available <laughs> to do the particular <laughs> film. <laughs> um, but no, I've, I've never seen him be bad in anything. No, like he's I've seen great. Him in the Joy Division film, Control, he's excellent. Oh, I didn't that. see that. Was it? Yeah, was that good? Yeah, very sad. Who is he in that? <laughs> Who's he playing that? He plays the he plays the manager of Joy Division. Oh, uh, who didn't Paddy Considine play him in Twenty Four Hour Party, Party People? people yeah. yeah, 
which Incredible. is also brilliant. Rob Gretton. Is it Rob Gretton? I think. Yeah, I think that's the character name. Yeah. yeah. Something like that. Is it worth, in the context of um, Kebble's performance, is it worth talking about um, the story and what actually happens? Because I, I never, I mean, there is a huge twist in this. Um, or is there a huge twist? I don't know. I never saw it coming. So it absolutely polacks me when I first saw it. But I don't know whether, you know, whether to give that away or not. What do you think? Yeah, I think, I think obviously we're going to, I think you can, the listener can probably tell from the way we're talk, waxing lyrical already. We're going to, we're going to enjoy this film and we would. Yeah, yeah, that's correct. Yeah. And we think you should go and watch it. So we are probably going to get into spoilers to have a full discussion regarding the film. So yeah, go point. away, watch the film and then come back and listen to the rest of the episode. I love um, how you're the guy with the reins on this, James. <laughs> you I always forget about says, the spoiler You order. go, you go and... <laughs> <laughs> I don't think we can really talk about the film without discussing. The I agree with you. That's with the him. problem, especially in the context of Kebble's performance as well. Yes, because because the tragic element of his performance comes to its full fruition by the end, doesn't it? Yeah, it's absolutely devastating. It really, really is. Like what happens to him through what you witness through the course of the flashbacks. With regards to the twist, I think you can see it as a twist, but I don't think Shane Meadows cares whether you figure it out. Or not? Yeah. For yeah. me personally, I think it's quite obvious that Anthony's not not there. You know, right, no right, one else right. acknowledges him in those scenes. Um, yeah. You know, when he confronts Sonny or when he's in the uh, working men's club with oh, what's that character's name? He really Her- gets it. That character, Her- Herbie. Her- is Herbie, Herbie. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, you know, he never. If Anthony was there, I'm pretty sure he would have come up in conversation when Herbie's relaying what's happened. Yeah, yeah, and of course they talk about Anthony's brother, don't they? Yes. And yeah. well, Anthony was there, wasn't he? But obviously yeah. he wasn't. I mean, um, yeah, that was. Um... So I don't think Shane Meadows is trying to do an M Night Shyamalan at all. I think, <laughs> yeah. I think, I think the twist's there if you want it, but he's he's not yeah. really interested in that. You know, something horrible has happened to this poor lad. Yeah. And I think what he's trying to set up essentially is, you know, um, his brother Richard, played by Paddy Considine, has come back. Something has happened to his brother, which we see in black and white flashbacks, mm. where these local low-life drug dealers have sort of taken advantage of him and used him for their own amusement, feeding him drugs, and you know, at one point making a woman have sex with him when he's passed out and co- unconscious, and you know, just sort of using him for their own. Uh, for their own amusement. And I think what the film tries to set up by putting uh, those scenes where Richard is talking to what we later find is his deceased brother, um, it's like, why is his revenge so over the top? His his brother is clearly still there. But at the same time, I think you can go, well, obviously his brother isn't there and Richard has really gone off the deep end. Mm. Yeah. Well, yeah. Is, it like I, a, is it like a PTSD type thing as well? Because it's well, That's definitely what I got from it, Si, was that um, he's gone from one war to another, essentially, hasn't he? Yeah, because um, it's, it's made out quite a lot. You know, they, they do really hammer home that he's... Ex-military. Ex-army. You know, even his yeah. coat and stuff like that. Like, Yeah. Not his bell-bottom jeans, however. No, not his... Yeah, the, the proper... That was the style at the time. I had a pair like that. <laughs> oh, did we? We, we yeah, must all yeah. have done it. Well, everyone had boot-cut jeans back then in the early yeah, 2000s. Yeah. I mean, how I big think... were his boots? Good God. <laughs> <laughs> Terrible in the rain. Just really bad in the rain. Oh, yeah. It's like walking into, uh, into your lectures with um, a couple of wet towels wrapped around your feet. <laughs> uh, what about... Um, the I mean well let's st- just stick to the performances for the time being. Uh, the 
I mean, like you were saying, it's it's brilliant across the board. I got the impression that so much of it was improv as well. Oh, yeah. Lines. Yeah, they, well, they talk over each other quite a lot, don't they? Yeah. Uh, which yeah. gives that impression it is improvised, the vast majority of it. And it's all other... You can tell they're thinking on their feet as well. And I think that's what makes it really chilling. The terror in these guys, it comes across in their voice because they're clearly trying to think of what to say. Yeah, and uh, as you would in that, if you were really in that situation, you would be talking over each other. You would be shouting over each other. Yeah, yeah. And I think like, uh, what's he called? The tall, like lanky guy. Soz. He's my favourite of the bad guys. I think <laughs> Shane yeah. Meadows has that way of making really likable northern characters, like uh, Woody yeah. in This Is England. Yeah, 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 yeah. I don't know whether it's the Shane Meadows things or he just knows how to find them, but just this like dirty mank accented guy <laughs> like, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah he's great at it yeah the, um across the gamut of the uh the actors um i was looking through everyone's imdbs and like they not much you know this is like the premier thing that most of them have done isn't it? oh yeah, yeah yeah when you search their names the related searches is all the other actors who are in dead man's shoes yes, that's definitely. amazing um the only the, uh, herbie was in cory of course <laughs> That's all I could, all I could really find. Well, know? his career went up and up and up, didn't it? If he was on, <laughs> uh, he was um, a tragic character, wasn't he, Irby? I, I thought I felt like because his his death was probably the most horrible. I thought uh, I don't even know where to get onto that because that's a whole other bit of the film. But yeah, so so should we talk about the first half an hour and the t- and the tone? Yeah, of let's that do first that. James. Half let's an do hour, that, yeah. Where whereby it's almost comic, isn't it? It's like yeah. ridiculous. He's sort of. Just me- so Richard comes back and he tracks down this gang, and there's a bit right at the start where, which is just bone chilling, where he runs into Herbie in the um, oh, in that yeah. working men's club. Yeah, yeah. And uh, he's just staring at him, and Herbie comes over, and he's obviously he's like dealing pills to the locals and what have you, and he comes over and he's just like, "What are you looking at?" And he looks at him so passively with these dead eyes, and he's like, "What? What?" And then he goes, what are you fucking looking at? And then he, you, have you ever been in a pub where it's just about to go off? Right. And you just hear that scrape of yeah, chairs. Yeah, and, then yeah. slightly... and the atmosphere is just switched like that. Yeah. Yeah. And that, that was, ex- I think that's one of the best scenes of the film because it just switches like, no, it's like, I'm looking at you. Yeah. I'll see you next <laughs> Yeah. <Tuesday."> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> It was that. Che- that's the first time you've seen him angry in the film as well. So it's absolutely shocking in that sense. I mean, we're only five right minutes in right. at that stage. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. And you're yeah. in, you know, because the setting, I mean, um, talking about like so much of the opening five minutes to 10 minutes is world building, isn't it, of yeah. where they are and um, how sort of, this is forgotten England. It's totally destitute, isn't it? You sort of get sucked into this club where you think that it's Anthony and Richard having a... Having a sit down. I mean, do they even have drinks on the table? I don't know. No, <laughs> just sat no. there. They don't have drinks on. The- See, that's amazing. That's absolutely amazing. It's probably like pulled in a favour at the local club, but it's like, yeah, not doing anything else. We don't have anyone in, so yeah, by all yeah, means, bring your crew. It is, isn't it? It is. It is definitely like that. Come on in. Come on in. Um, <clears throat> and the fact that-, that none of the patrons around them react when he threatens Herbie. Yeah. Like, like, so you get the sense, like, oh, it goes off all the time in here. Yeah. Yeah. Like, yeah. No one's bothered. Like. <laughs> <laughs> and that's just like what the gang are like, little tiffs and rubbish all the time. Yeah. You know, the little fra- fractious moments and a, a crossword here and there and they're all suddenly up at arms with each other. Yeah, I love that dynamic of that little gang as well. Yes, I do, yeah. And to be honest with you, they're all, as we find out through the through the course of the uh, flashbacks, 
I don't care that any of them get it, to be honest with you. Like, I, I yeah. don't even really care about Herbie. They're all scumbags and they all absolutely deserve it in the context mm, yeah, of the film. Absolutely, yeah. Yeah. Uh, regardless of remorse or not, because as you see, like, yeah, the flashbacks, uh, no one comes off shining the flashbacks. The only one, you know, however, is the, the chap that is missed out, isn't he? The bloke at the end. Yeah, uh, but we'll get to him shortly. But, we'll get um, to him later on. Yeah. yeah, yeah, but that was the only bit I felt like there was um, any remorse exhibited by anybody. Um, what about uh, music during this uh, opening half an hour? It's quite sparse, isn't it? I mean, especially it during is, yeah. the um, well, the present day. If uh, I guess it would be present day. Yeah, during the during those bits, it's there's it's, there's not anything, is there, in the first half an hour? You only really get music when it's coming from the flashbacks yeah you get like a sort of a a twinkly country travelogue soundtrack <laughs> oh, when start, it the starts opening, yeah yeah the opening but aside from that you're right it's very very sparse mm. but that's the thing with shane meadows it's always got all of his films have such a strong sense of place essentially yeah because that and that he yeah. always shoots in the midlands you know yeah, like yeah. and it's it's essential because even for people who like us who live in England and watch a lot of uh, British films, the Midlands is never on TV. You know, the Midlands is yeah, not an yeah. area that is shown a lot. More now, probably with Peaky Blinders and things like that, but I don't think yeah. any of that's even shot in Well, Birmingham. But especially not like rural Midlands like this as well. Yeah, and to set a revenge tale in this part of the world, it yeah. really... Uh, it really sets up how the suburbs sort of encroach them working class areas encroach on the countryside. And yeah, the countryside yeah. meets the local town and stuff like that. So mm. yeah, but I mean, it's it's very true to life, though. I mean, the three of us, we've all grown up in um, northern towns, haven't we? And we all can see some not similarities, but we can all recognise. Um, I certainly didn't feel. Um, I, I felt not a kinship. I don't think that's not the word I'm looking for, but I recognise certainly yeah. the sense of place that was being um, put forward here. Yeah, it's definitely got that um, our town from the hill vibe. Like you, yeah, yeah, certainly. Yeah. Uh, like your full monties and your brassed offs and and things like that. Yeah. Like yeah, we know yeah. where we are, and from the accents as well. Yeah, just saying that. Like a lot of the problems from the Americans did actually come from the accents. Like a lot of them just didn't. They just couldn't understand what they were saying. Uh, so that yeah. doesn't mean a film is bad. Well, know? yeah, that's true. But like, uh, just <laughs> yeah. just to uh, jump on uh, Letterboxd. So they, these are the user reviews on Letterboxd, where it's just standos like us three, I guess. Uh, <laughs> this, was, this was added by uh, Statics on the twenty fifth of Feb two thousand nineteen. So watched quite recently, oh, actually. Recent. Um, half the experience is trying to determine what the characters are actually saying. Uh. <laughs> uh. I mean that is I mean it's uniquely depressing here. <laughs> what did he give the film? Static. Uh two stars. <laughs> I mean I'm not sure where where the two if they didn't know what was going on. I mean I'd but they'd give it two stars. Well which is generous I guess if he didn't I mean know what was I, if you're an American watching this film, I know people in the UK who don't understand who can't understand anyone who live down south who don't understand anyone north of Watford. So mm. I can understand why <laughs> if you're American it might be difficult to sort of get on board with the accents, but I, I don't find them that hard to decide. No, they are speaking I, English. I, like, yeah, I, I don't think the filmmaking um, style, the storytelling style here, is that actually difficult to follow either. You can follow the story without actually hearing what they're saying because most of yeah. it's improv anyway. So exactly, yeah, yeah. It shouldn't the film shouldn't be panned just because you can't get through an accent? Yeah. Well, keeping with uh, Letterbox, there's another one I saw which. 
I thought it was quite interesting, really, because I, I just find it the complete polar opposite, and it's kind of echoing what we're talking about now. So this was by uh, someone called TSM. Uh, also give it two stars. <laughs> there were elements for a very good film here. Unfortunately for me, its low-budget and improvisational acting kept it from achieving its full potential. But I think the low-budget thing is irrelevant because it maximises the money it's got and makes it feel yeah, way more yeah, than the yeah. money's got into it. And then yeah. the improvisational thing is what makes the acting so good and what makes it so believable and makes it really chilling and quite terrifying what's yeah. happening to these baked twats. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I mean, that sequence is absolutely terrifying. Well, where, oh, they, the... where, they, where he spikes them and they... Yeah. yeah. So I always thought, I was re-watching this and I've re-watched it. I re-watched it last year for a thing I was working on. And then... Um, I I watched it again this week in preparation for the pod. And I was always like, right, well, why he's been in their houses, he like messes around with them, starts winding them up and starts getting them into a state of paranoia. And I was like, well, why didn't he just kill them then? And then I sort of penny dropped. He's he's trying to create the same level of fear in them that they created ah. in his brother, mm. basically. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Because he could have yeah. just killed them all. He could have just gotten into gone into the house and slit it. Yeah. As he says in one of the greatest confrontation scenes. Oh, well, can we talk about this, film. please? Can we talk I about mean, it? we could probably do a full podcast just on this exchange. I, I think we could. Um, firstly, can we just discuss, uh, well, nod to Gary Stretch. Gary Stretch is brilliant in this. I mean, he looks He's like a Sicilian good, yeah. mobster plucked out of that. You know, a um, couple of episodes we were talking about a. Uh, Hayden Christensen. Oh movie. yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> he looks like he. I mean, he's got that aesthetic, hasn't he? He's been plucked out of uh, the uh, the Gambino family and placed right topical. in. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, very topical. It's been placed right in. Uh, where, where is it? Matlock, Derbyshire. It is Derbyshire. Yes. It was filmed in yeah. Derbyshire. Yeah. But um, this guy, he's got a stunning middleweight boxing career. And this was one of his first jobs. Yeah, because he just fancied acting in movies, didn't he? And yeah, but he's very he good. Made... I don't know whether it was intentional or whether it was him being an amateur actor, but his delivery was so like stifled, and you couldn't really. He mumbled quite a lot, and yeah, yeah, but it, it yeah. made him like quite terrifying as because he's the leader yeah. of this mob, isn't he? I definitely thought he carried threat. Yeah, oh, yeah, and like you would yeah. imagine that he's the alpha male of the group because he is a bit tapped in the head and he he does yeah, get yeah. that across very well he went eight eight rounds with chris eubank just so we all know eight rounds before he got knocked <laughs> eight out rounds. i did yeah. notice as well because um to be honest with you and um i've never looked into because i've never i haven't seen gary stretching anything since to be honest but i know that he's had a career in a lot of straight to dvd sort of action films out in yeah, the States yeah. and things like that and tiny parts in bigger productions um, but when I actually did a bit of research this week and found that he had a pro boxing career, I was looking at these, uh, his right eyebrow and he's got a slit yeah, scar big right scar, above right? the yeah, top yeah, yeah, where yeah. he's obviously been split a lot of times when he's been fighting. Yeah, yeah. Some serious scar tissue face. there. He's, he's got like, I could be a mate or I could knock you out. Mm. Like, Yes, that's... he's got one of them faces, Auntie, yeah, definitely. Yeah, and them lot are all scared to death of him. Yeah. Which is what yeah. makes that confrontation with... Richard all the more and I think it's probably Paddy Considine's 
finest hour. You know, we're in fifty years' time when they do the yeah. in memoriam section at the BAFTAs. All they're gonna, yeah, they're going to show <laughs> yeah, that. Yeah, but yeah. They, they'd have to bleep a lot of it out. But, like, <laughs> Joanna Lumley won't even... appreciate the. Uh... <laughs> I feel like though the the, the writing that because that must have been scripted that bit because some of the lines in that are just. They're too good to pluck out off the top of your head. You know, like, um, it's beyond words, mate. That kind of stuff like mm. that is. It's, and it's chilling. He has lost it. That's the moment where, or the danger. I mean, you, you know, it's the kind of danger that other actors would give anything to be able to convey. But Considine just breathes it. Oh, yeah. And I think that's why there was a lot of comparisons to Robert De Niro in Travis Bickle in a lot of the, yeah, yeah, yeah. Lot of the reviews. It's just that unhinged... This guy can do anything. And what yeah. I love at the end of that confrontation scene, he gives them a chance. Yeah, yeah. He tells them he's been in their house, he could have killed them all, and if he was them, he'd gather them goonies, he'd get in the car, and he'd fuck off. <laughs> and, and the car? <laughs> oh, the, the little two CV thing. <laughs> Last scene in For Your Eyes Only. In a <laughs> Two slightly different films, I would have thought. Yeah. When they first roll up at Sonny's house listening to gangster rap outside and that thing. Like, I'm yeah, yeah. dying laughing. It was so funny. Yeah. Well, one of the, this, this is like one of those things though about this film that I really love was um, I've always, you know, like we being <laughs> film geeks growing up, we've always hated bullies and whatever. But like these are the bullies. You know, you, these are your small town bullies who when they're actually faced with anything bigger than they are, mm. crumble at the first sign of obstruction. And it's so nice to watch this. Th- these guys who are... Every town's got them. Every village has got got this yeah. sort of group. And they all just crumble in such a satisfying, realistic way. Oh, yeah, totally. Yeah. That was my... Like, I didn't actually notice that as much first time around. I've seen it a few times, but... I really noticed it this time around where it's seeing, it's really satisfying seeing all these cowards be like really shell shocked and terrified just of one man. Yeah. He doesn't show any particular skills like Liam Neeson. Um, but <laughs> it's just, it's just typical, isn't Did it? Did he have a cosh? <laughs> <laughs> third, third, we got him in three times. Yes, hat trick. But it's just, I'm going to run that into the ground. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, but yeah as you say Rob just typical bullies preying on the vulnerable and then when the shoe's on the other foot they just can't cope and they completely cower yeah they fall to bits don't they yeah it's so nice he has a confrontation with Sonny they go back to Sonny's club and they make the decision that they're going to have to take Richard out because he isn't going away and they're all shook up even Sonny's shook up by that while uh, Gypsy John goes for a piss um (laughs) That's his name. That's his, yeah, that's I forgot that was his name. You know? Yeah. Um, his intro he, uh, was fantastic, by the way, where they've, they've yeah. all got the makeup on. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And someone and comes spray painted a, a knob on the back yeah. of his, uh... <laughs> He comes out in a chromed out suit like R. Kelly in the same girl video. <laughs> Rob, we, we stop. <laughs> Another hat trick. <laughs> <laughs> Moving swiftly on, carry on. <laughs> so yeah, uh, they all think they're all pranking each other, don't they? And he graffitis uh, knobhead on the back of uh, Gypsy John's suit jacket that apparently costs five hundred quid, but looks about fifty quid for the second Um Anyway, while they're all deciding that they're going to kill Richard, he decides to axe murder <laughs> Gypsy John in the, in the toilets oh, yeah. of the working man's club. 
And then they basically go to Motson's farm the next day, which leads to one of the funniest scenes in the entire film, as far as I'm concerned. Oh, when, when um, what's his name? Uh, who's the fellow who gets, what's his name? Al. Al, that's the guy, yeah, yeah. And Al walks to the door, doesn't he, to knock on and try to negotiate with him and gets in the way of a bullet from Sonny, doesn't he? <laughs> yeah, why has yeah. he fired the gun? They're like wrestling each other and he just, he just goes, oh, I've got that. <laughs> he hasn't even touched him. He comes walking. So Richard's hiding out in Motson's farm and he's told Sonny the day before, are you going to come and see me? Right? And he goes, yeah, yeah, I am. <laughs> All right. Oh, and he does I'm that. Yeah, like, oh, you're hard. What? Yeah, exactly. I love it. I, I was struggling to do it on, you know, via the medium of, of sound waves. <laughs> I was struggling to impart. Oh, you're hard. Yeah. <laughs> um, so basically, Al gets out of the Citroen uh, and goes up to sort of negotiate. He's got a big wad of cash that Sonny's given him. And Sonny's got a, uh, a it's rifle. It's about 120 quid. <laughs> I know. <You> know? <laughs> Which is millions in Derbyshire. Millions. Yeah. <laughs> It's Al's gyro for the week. (laughs) You know they're all signing on as well, aren't they? Well, obviously. Um, So uh, basically, Richard backs him out of Motson's farm, which is this like just disused old farmhouse, and he's got the axe in his hand that he did Gypsy John in with. And and Sonny gets him in his scope, but Al stood right in front of him, and he shoots Al by accident. (laughs) Blows his head (laughs) off. We're laughing. Just... (laughs) I know, yeah, we're laughing about this. Because, well, he deserved it anyway. It was, right. But it is comical. It is comical. It's hilarious. Like, and the first thing I thought was, right, you've shot your mate. You're a bit, you know, you're a bit shaken up. Have you only brought one bullet with you? <laughs> Reload. <laughs> yeah. Because Richard's just stood there in the middle. Like, uh, Come on, then. When he goads them, when he just, he's got the axe in his hand and he just, like, opens his arms and just goads yeah, them. And then they yeah. just reverse and get the fuck out of Dodge. Get the fuck out of Dodge. <laughs> Do it today. Do it today. <laughs> I think like these um I love all these little they're like a series of little confrontations, aren't they? Yeah. And then before long we're at this um this chaos where they're totally disbanded, aren't they? The the group of uh, bullies. They Well apart from three of them. Well, yeah, yeah. Well, what's the guy? Um, the guy who ends up in a suitcase. What's his name? Because he pop, he proper bottles it, and he ends up. He falls Mr. a bit. He falls apart after he watches Al get his head blown That's off. That's it. He what? starts crying like, "Oh, they killed! He killed Al!" Oh, and then you know, like we're laughing name? because it's a bully getting his comeuppance. That's why we're laughing. But it, and he ends up like Mr. Potato Headed in a suitcase, doesn't he? <laughs> <laughs> that's one of the ones that I think if they won't go back and look at the film and look at the budgetary constraints that they had, they might change that because I don't know what that effect is, but it looks absolutely <laughs> terrible. <laughs> His name is Tough and he gets... Tough, that's basically, it. the implication is, is that Richard chased him down the country roads. <laughs> Killed him and then snapped all of his limbs and shoved him into some like carry on yeah, luggage. Yeah. Well, and considering, you know, like when we see the flashbacks later on to what um, happens to the little brother, Anthony, yeah. um, he was really terrible. Oh, so, yeah, he was one of the worst. Really? Oh, yeah, like, spitting on his head it, yeah. and all sorts. Because, uh, you know, for listeners, I hope you've gone and seen it um, and you know what's coming, but. The, the the sort of the final bit of the film really reveals that Anthony was taken out to a disused castle, um, to some stables there, and they abandoned him abandoned him there after having abused him, um, and he hangs himself, and Tuff is one of the sort of the main instigators of that whole event, and they all leg it and dive in a minivan and minibus and leave him there, 
Um, and yeah, so it was like I felt a bit short, a tiny bit short changed that I didn't see tough get what was coming to him. But then I think the fact that he falls apart so spectacularly and tries to run after the Citroen dies a death as well. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah, I forgot about that. <laughs> um, and just falls apart. It just shows him up for what a horrible little toad he is, basically. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, because everyone gets waxed really quickly. So Al's gone, Gypsy yeah. John's gone, Tuff's off up the road, ready to be suitcased. And... Um, <laughs> So we've got we're left with the three then, aren't yeah, we? So yeah, so Sonny, Herbie, and, then, and Soz are left, aren't they? That's yeah. the three. Um, yeah, and yeah. then you're because you think they're the three, they're the main three. So you're like, oh, mm. you know, what? Where's it gonna go? Is it gonna? Because you still got at this point, you've still got about what forty minutes left, half yeah, an hour yeah. left. Yeah. Um, and then he goes into the house. They go home. They they look upstairs, don't they? They're they're terrified, and they all get their yeah. weapons and. Soz gets a samurai sword. <laughs> oh, it's so funny. Uh, Herbie, they Herbie gets a tiny, what's... tiny knife. One um... of them's having a poo and the other's in the bath. And they're all <laughs> yeah. Like, oh, God, it stinks. You know, that kind of, uh, it's all absolutely demeaning in the extreme. Yeah, and then they're all washing up as well later on. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> he has a like, pot noodle. After you use your pot noodles, why not keep them for your own? <laughs> it's like something out of a Peter K routine. It is, but, just keep that for your little half pint. Half a lager, half a lager. Brilliant. Out of a yeah. pot noodle. Bit of blue foot dance. Pot noodle. Well, like, it's another reason why, you know, to love Shane Meadows is like, he just makes everything so real. And that's one of those instances where they're scared of getting murdered, yet they're still just having casual chat about the best use of yeah. recyclable plastics. <laughs> <laughs> uh, he just straddles that line between film and documentary so well and it works more cause, yes, it works yeah. well because it's in england as well you've got like all this handheld camera work and then you've got these yep. three guys one of them having shit one of them having a bath just you would expect people <laughs> in that situation to, <laughs> to, yeah, yeah. to behave <laughs> with a in that poor knife a tiny little knife so while they're doing that richard he puts all the drugs he robbed from them previously in the kettle knowing that they're about to have some pot noodles because they've got an obscene amount of pot noodles on the show. <laughs> There's so much instant ramen in this house. <laughs> I mean, that is disrespectful to ra- instant ramen. <laughs> oh, no, pod no- pot noodle aren't going to sponsor this podcast. <laughs> there are other dried noodles. For your reconsideration, <laughs> coming to you from pot noodle. <laughs> I'm, I'm down I'm, with that. We could got to take what we can get at this stage. I am down with anything. Pot noodle, if you're listening, come on, <laughs> let's have you. Let's be happy. Do the right you. thing. You, you also do a great uh, half mug for uh, half a lager, I believe, as well. So, uh, <laughs> marvellous. As advertised by Soz in the Dark <laughs> Revenge thrill of Dead Man Shoes. <laughs> Soz is my favourite. He was the one I didn't want to die out of all of them. I really oh, like Soz. Oh, no, no. <laughs> well, he, he's probably the one that did the least to Anthony, I reckon, Soz. Yeah. You know, everyone else had much work, um, uh, you know, like rap sheet of thing you did against Anthony to make Richard want to off you. Sauls probably did the least amount. Oh, yeah. yeah. I was reading that uh, he was supposed to be one of the first to die, but because he was so good on set, they were like, oh, shit, we're going to have to change this and wrote him in <laughs> for a longer yeah. character. And I get I get the impression that um, Shane Meadows' approach is quite, you know, I don't want to say laissez-faire, but he's very loose. And if he discovers something on set, then he sort of runs with it, basically. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And he'll beef people's characters up if they sort of impress him, basically, on the set. Yeah. It, uh, one it thing that I think fluidity. was interesting from watching the documentary on the um, on the DVD 
is how much um, he actually planned the drug sequence in there. He says himself he doesn't pre-plan what he's going to shoot. He doesn't storyboard. But for this particular sequence where Richard gives them, uh, spikes their pot noodles, basically, (laughs) (laughs) and lets them have it, it suddenly goes very uh, cinematic in terms of the it does, yeah, yeah. yeah it's very well made sequence and it's edited it's so well. It's terrifying. It and is. The, yeah. the, the use of the practical lights as well, like everything's really bleached out, like proper spotlights on them all, and they're all just losing their minds. Yeah. yeah. Uh, um, use of angles during that sequence as well. Oh, you um, love it, Rob. It's all Dutch angles. I loved it, man. Thing. I did love it. I was thinking about that. <laughs> but that, like, everything is, you know, that soft handheld you know because of the the slow motion element and everything being off kilter uh, just uh, slightly just before they do that sequence you've got like um a, a reverse tr- like not like it's like the antithesis of a rocky training montage where the you know like he's he's pumping up you know sonny's back and changing oh up. yeah he's pumping up on the thing you know it's like da, 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 we're waiting to be killed da, da, da. Yeah, then he, he can't do it he's like oh, take, you gotta take it off me can't, can't take, do yeah it. exactly can't do it. yeah. it's like he's trying to lift weights when he's smacked off his tits like. <laughs> but he doesn't know he is i absolutely love it and you've got like soz on one side with a uh you know doing bicep curls and the other fellas you know, he's, used to do know, a lot of this used yeah to- used to- <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's like no you didn't it's brilliant. and it, for me it was it was more denigration more taking the mick out of bullies what the bravado a male bravado yeah like, exactly do- yeah they felt like they could you know like uh, don't worry we'll have a training montage everything be alright yeah <laughs> <laughs> topless as well because Sonny's topless yeah. like this whole bit yeah. is, is Sonny a homosexual there's a, there's a very strong implication of that, I think. Because obviously in one of the flashbacks, he tries to force um, Anthony to, yeah. to go down on him. And yeah. he knocks him out with the prowess of a former middleweight pro boxer. Looks like he properly punches him. I, I thought yeah. he actually punched him in that scene. I was like, how has that been faked? It looked like he proper sparked out poor Toby Kebbell. And he's yeah. like, this guy's a proper boxer. Yeah. Toby Kebbell probably That's like, something. yeah, proper hit me. You know, like I get the impression he's that kind of actor. Like, just, just, we're going to do this in one. Just proper deck me. <laughs> probably a little bit, but deck and, me. And Toby Kebbell came to, came to at the end of filming three weeks later. <laughs> oh, we're, all, we're going to the Edinburgh Film Festival. <laughs> just to go back up, touch back on the editing, Rob, what you said, like that sequence, the editing is superb in that bit. But just to roll it back to a review, I think this is a user review from Rotten Tomatoes, actually. Uh, from someone called Dirty Cash. Um, oh, it's going to be good. Gosh, he sounds cool. American. Uh, this picture is amateur hour at its worst. <laughs> which, I mean, you surely it should be amateur hour at its best. Anyway, yeah, uh, this I... <laughs> picture is amateur hour at its worst. From the shoddy editing to the campy screenwriting, if it wasn't completely improvised, hard to tell when no real actors were actually hired. Dead Man's Shoes never aspires to be much more than a low-budget B-movie at best. I think to call the editing shoddy is, well, it's a, it's it's not true. And I don't want to interrupt here, side, but you are actually a professional editor working in the, <laughs> in, in, you know, yeah. so this is actually someone who does this day to day speaking right now. So, you know, you're too modest in saying that, but it's also a peer acknowledging a peer in a way, isn't it? You can see the quality of what you're looking at. Yeah, it's someone who doesn't uh, like a film, that's fine. You're not allowed, you know, you're allowed to not like a film, that's yeah. fine. But it's when... 
you're bringing up things what just simply aren't true to make you and you, you don't feel know about yeah to give you more credence. So this person saying yeah. the shoddy what's editing. His, what's the, his name again? Uh, Dirty Cash. I don't Dirty know if that's Cash. his uh, if Christian name. Please, <laughs> please send your. <laughs> Please contact us on our please email. Please, please, uh, we'll have you on, mate. We'd love to hear a bit more of this. This review was from 2010, though, so I don't know. Ah, oh. his whereabouts are quite a mystery. Perhaps we will in- inspire Dirty Cash to give this film another go. Well, that's that's what we're now that we've totally for. condescended him. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I know. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, anyway, um, yeah, and then obviously, like um, the horrible. It's, I think to the the trip sequence is that really abrupt ending, when suddenly Richard's there in the living room with them, and it's horrendous, and you know what the man's capable of, and Soz is looking at him, and dribbling on himself, and it's all just horrible and dreadful, and he's playing with them just the way that Anthony played got played with as well. Is Soz is the worst murder? I don't. That's it's very brutal. Like no, he, I think Herbie he, is the worst. Yeah, I'm that, with you, James. I'm Herbie's because he he toys with Herbie properly. He does, toys yeah, with Herbie. He does, yeah. And he keeps getting tough out of the suitcase and going, going like, do you want to give him a little kiss, Herbie? <laughs> <laughs> like, and he's like squashed and mangled in this thing. And he's like, should I put him away now? Should I put him away? <laughs> Talking to him like a child. It's very good. Yeah, yeah. yeah and, and that's like, what I love oh, most about right. Paddy Considine's. Um, performance in this he proper over enunciates everything that he says yeah. so he sounds tough but he talks quite softly a lot of the time mm, yeah yeah, and, yeah yeah and like his diction is like spot on like and it is it's like he's talking to a toddler like that's amazing yeah, yeah i've never thought of it like that man, but you're absolutely right apart from when he's dealing with sunny and he's like fuck off <laughs> how many times just on that topic do you think that that Speech was um, replicated on the streets of Sheffield and <laughs> Derby, you know, in the years after this film, you know, like, you'll take your gooners. What do they call it? Goonies. <laughs> goonies. Hey, goonies. Gooners, sorry, Arsenal. Take your goonies in the car and, you know, all this. I just, yeah. oh, I've got you. I've got you here. I've got you here. Got you here. That works really well on a podcast. Yeah, sorry, one. sorry. <laughs> I was doing the hand, you know, listen, I was doing the hand signal. If you've seen the film, you know what I'm talking about. Right there, right there. I do it to my kids, you know, when they're misbehaving. Like, I've got you right Right here. <laughs> yeah, me and my uh, me and my one year old had a uh, tense standoff earlier. Where <laughs> lines, uh, I'm not threatening you, mate. It's beyond words. <laughs> now have your fish fingers. <laughs> you said, James. You said you had some trivia. Yes. Uh, how many times do you think the word "fuck" is used in this film? What <laughs> a question. Um, I don't know. 105. Really? What do you think, Rob? I can't remember. Seven? 116 times. What? What? I can't remember any. It's that realistic, ladies and gentlemen. It's because it's so softly spoken, it just goes over the head, doesn't it? 116 just... times. Oh, well, fuck. they use it like a comma, don't they? Throughout, basically. I, I didn't even notice. Fucking this and fucking that, basically. Really? Oh, my word. Uh, well... 
we, we were about to talk about Herbie's death. I mean, her, her, what happens to Herbie? So Sonny gets dragged into the kitchen, Donny. He puts a bag over his head and he shoots him. Which again, is the is quickest he... one, isn't it? Like, the, the you know, the leader of this gang and he gets the quickest... Yeah, I think he gets off lightly, yeah. to be honest. He does, yeah, he does. Compared to what happens to Herbie and, and what's-his-face, yeah, definitely, Soz. Soz yeah. gets like a Van Damme slash Seagal type death in terms of he gets the, his nose punched into his brain, doesn't he? <laughs> I, I did enjoy the Seagal reference, though. Yeah. It's the sort of thing that Gareth Keenan from The Office would enjoy. <laughs> Incidentally, Soz looks a lot like Gareth Keenan from The Office. I would absolutely love to watch this whole film where Considine is replaced by Gareth Keenan. <laughs> I would give anything to watch that. Uh, yeah, so, her, I mean, Soz gets his brain put through his head. <laughs> Herbie gets, you know, told that he's not going to do anything and get offered a hug. And then he gets a knife between the ribs. Well, he tells him he'll let him live, won't he, first? If oh, he tells him the information that he wants to know. Because it's yeah. this point that it's revealed that there's one more. That's it. That's the one, mate. Yeah, yeah, He yeah. hasn't been able to track oh. this guy down and he's clearly not in the gang anymore. Yeah, because yes. he's, he's, he's been hidden away in the flashbacks at this point, hasn't he? Like, yeah, I think he's got a cap on in most of them, so he's quite hidden anyway, so you don't really yeah, notice him. Yeah. We haven't seen him in present day, so we don't really know he's there. Yeah. When all this is happening with the where they all get baked and he kills the three head guys of the gang, uh, you've still got half an hour left. So you're like, oh, yeah. well, where, you know, where are we going to go from here? And then yeah. you know, it becomes quite clear that there is someone else and that he has to track down this last person to get final closure on everything. And for, for me, there's a slight problem there, like with that we experienced with Speed Racer, where there's a crescendo, that a natural crescendo that happens that isn't actually the ending. Yeah, and yeah. you feel a little bit like right. I've got to remotivate myself to carry on now a little bit. Uh, I mean, obviously, the film is economical in both its length and storytelling style. That you don't have to sacrifice too much to keep going along with it, but it's still one of those things. Like, oh, I feel like it should have ended now. Mm. But is that not why the film is brilliant? Because it plays with your expectations as to totally. Yeah, you think totally. that you think that Sonny should be like the most difficult. If we're taking like yeah. say the the Kill Bill model for a revenge thriller. You know, yeah. Bill is the last one to get it. Um, whereas in this scenario, you would think that Sonny would be the most difficult or put more of a challenge or be harder to get to. But what it actually yeah. does is it subverts that. It kills him halfway through the film or two-thirds of the way through the movie. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then Definitely. the film becomes something else, in my view. Spot on. It becomes from being a, a, a simple revenge story where, you know, all these guys deserve to get it. And then we're sort of introduced to Craig, who used to be in this gang and was present for the events that took place, but has clearly turned his life around in the in yeah, the, yeah, in the yeah. years that have passed. Yeah. That is a take on this that I've not heard before, James, but you are absolutely spot on. Because ultimately, you root for Considine where at least hunting these guys down in terms... He's completely off his rocker. He's completely mentally unhinged. But then he goes after someone who was there, witnessed these horrible things, didn't really do anything bad to Anthony, but was there and could have stopped it and knows that within yeah. himself and feels his own guilt and remorse. Um, and then I think it's, he really sort of just goes, does a bit of a 180 and starts to deconstruct the whole concept of revenge at this stage. Yeah, yeah. I mean, what did you think of the Craig section, Simon? I think I think it's the weakest part of the film, if I'm honest. You know, he, he kind of, well, it's it's him reaching the end of his journey. Obviously, it's the you know end mm. of the film. That's, yeah. a, that's a given. <clears throat> but it is where it all comes to a head 
in his own head because he knows that you know what's the character called is it mark it was craig i think yeah. i think craig's the one of the kids i think he's called mark i think he's mark oh he's um, yeah yeah it's mark yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, sorry yeah. that's it yeah and uh who's wife is uh, the old Shane Meadows favourite. She's, yeah. she's in everything. Yeah, yeah, she's in everything. She basically yeah. plays his mum in This Is England, doesn't she? Joe Hartley. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and, yeah. you know, by all accounts, he looks like he's a, you know, he's, he's left that life behind and he now is a nice enough dude. He's got a, a nice, seemingly nice family. and then A lovely we, goatee. A lovely goatee. I, I like, um, I felt like um, during this sequence, it was Richard's dealing with his own guilt. Um, I think so, yeah. I, I felt like he's, he's given up. At this point, um, and it's sort of he's gone past redemption. I don't think this was actually a story about redemption. By the time we got to this point, I don't think it's about redemption anymore. He it's knows about it's, retribution. And it justice, is, yeah, isn't it? yeah. As he and, sees it, and these then, guys have gotten away with it. Yeah, and I think the final act of retribution is himself because he let his brother down. Yes, I think that's Ooh, that's yeah. the final act yeah. of um, the final person who needs to be brought to account for what happened to Anthony is himself. Yeah, exactly. Because, he, I mean, there's, so basically he he finds Mark, he sort of intimidates his children, uses his children as intimidatory tactics, yeah. intimidates his wife. Mark well, that conversation, re- sorry to interrupt, that conversation with his wife is outrageous. It's, awful. it's one of the most cringe-inducing, It is, isn't it? It things. really is, yeah. Give him a knife, did you? I was a bit, I was a bit angry, to be honest with you. <laughs> <laughs> it was. I mean, it's lovely played, but but like that. He's, There's one he's, line where he goes, "You're a good mother, aren't you?" Good yeah. Mother. Oh, it's weird. It's, it's weird, like, oh god, man. is he going to cut her head off here? Yeah. <laughs> I think that was the point where. I mean, not not the point where he's murdered loads of people in cold blood, but that was the moment where you're like, "No, yeah, Richard is off his. You know, he he is mental as well. Like, At that is. point, yeah. he's a he's a rabid dog that needs putting down. And he's not so much. Yeah, you, yeah he's not so much expression. a good guy. Like. You're rooting for him in that first you two You know acts. why these guys deserve it. You don't know why he's now come after this family. Well, you got, you've got an in, you've got obviously an inkling as to why he's come after this family. Yeah. But at the same time, you know, he's, there's a there's a message I think of like people can change and move on from what they used to be. Yeah. 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 yeah there is, isn't there? Actually. And he suddenly comes from being the protagonist and sort of the hero to, well, you know, like. This Mark fella is clearly full of remorse because he, after Richard's been around the house, he confesses to his wife exactly what happened with Anthony all those years ago. Yeah, mm. yeah, yeah. And she makes him sleep on the couch. Yeah, she does. Yeah. Oh, I mean, yeah, she's yeah, leave yeah, it. yeah. <laughs> like, Never thought about that. Yeah. Yeah, and, I, and that was the moment where I wasn't on his side anymore when he was chatting to the mum. Because yeah, you're like, yeah. you know, he has crossed yeah. the... Again, he's crossed the he line, hasn't crossed man. the line of murdering. <laughs> but he's he's crossed the line when you know when he's he's been really creepy around the kids and he's got families involved and um, yeah. ultimately the suggestion is he's gonna also kill this guy who was there even though he wasn't on the level of those people. So it yeah. is quite poetic at the end, I guess. That I you know I think yeah, you were I, spot I... on, Rob, with what you said in that the last person to complete the vengeance is himself because i think sonny touches on it in one of the flashbacks where he says oh your brother's left you he does um, he says that yeah he's totally deserted you left you yeah. to fend for yourself and that plants the seed then doesn't it yeah i think he obviously feels guilty of that and uh, you know the bit where he's talking to mark in the little disused church where Anthony yeah, so at did the castle hang yeah. himself yeah. at the castle yeah sorry. yeah when yeah when they're in the castle and he's confronting mark and he, he tells him everything and then he's quite mean about his brother and you're like oh yeah. that's really... oh there's a such there's a line it's in there that yeah. absolutely destroyed me where he goes uh, 
I think Mark says something like, he looked up to you and he went, he was a fucking embarrassment to yeah. me. Oh, it's yeah. awful, and you know yeah. he means it. Yeah. That's yeah. like, like he was like, yeah. this, this, you know, and then when he does that impression of him and it's so cruel and cutting. It's horrible, like, yeah. Yeah, and uh, and you've spent the whole film building this character up only to make him seem that way later on. And this is it's interesting to even talk about it, actually, because this is the first time I'm really looking at Richard in this way, as negatively yeah. as this. But it's absolutely correct. Yeah, he's driven by guilt as much as he is for. That's right. Yeah, revenge. Like he yeah. left his brother, and he knew that his brother would have been screaming for him towards yeah. the end. He loved his brother, but he didn't like him because he wasn't a. You know, in quote unquote normal because he was slow. Like yeah. he embarrassed him. You know, yeah. that, maybe that's why he left. Maybe he found him too difficult to deal with. Yeah. yeah. So I think I think on this point, I mean, let's. I just want to chuck in another uh, review at this point. I think it's quite relevant. Um, this is actually because I didn't actually show any examples of the American press not liking it, and th- there are quite a few to be honest. Uh, but this is from Jessica Reeves from the Chicago Tribune. There's a hint of Shakespeare's goriest tragedies here, sucked dry of any attendant of heart, emotional depth, or compelling human interest, which I just could not disagree it's with. It's always subtext, isn't it? Yeah, like that, that whole final sequence is all those three things. It's all those three things. So, those. What, I mean, what we're learning here is this, this film appears in a lot of ways like criminally misunderstood. Yeah, I mean, if you just see the, if you look on the box, it's got a five star review from Zoo, who I don't think looked into the subtext. <laughs> I mean, like, what was it? Sai, can you just tell me the the the? It said that it didn't have that last review again. Can you just read it to me again? I I cannot get my head around that. Uh, there's a hint of Shakespeare's goriest tragedies, sucked dry of any attendant heart, emotional depth, or compelling human interest. I mean, it's. Uh, I don't want to say someone's opinion is wrong, but that's as wrong as it comes. <laughs> but, like... I mean, like, the overwhelming thing from frame one of this film is that my hand is being held and told that um, a, a sibling bond is unbreakable. Uh, yeah, there are the home movies timeless. at the start, isn't it? Yeah. And, it's the most and uplifting I'm... part of the film, to be honest. It is, yeah. <laughs> but by the end of the film, I mean, I'm just... I want to ring up my brother and sister and tell them I love them. mm you can't say to me that that film, if it makes me want to do that, is devoid of heart. You can't do that. Yeah. I mean, I don't know whether it's because, we're, you know, we are all northern lads. Like, you know, there's an extra special thing what resonates with us because of the location and what have you. But surely, well, but surely th- they are sort of core general things what apply to anywhere in the world, not just... Derbyshire. But you could, I mean, you could put exactly. You could put this film in Mexico, directed by. Um, I was going to say Guillermo del Toro, but I'd... I'd love to see a Guillermo del Toro revenge film. <laughs> exactly, exactly. But like, you could do that, and I would be like, the themes are cross-cultural. I don't think yeah, that surely. the setting is English, yeah, yeah. but the themes are cross-cultural. I mean, it's, it's a story of justice, isn't it? Ultimately, but uh, how ultimately, you know, revenge doesn't won't bring Anthony back. You know, yeah, that's a really good point. And it's how much, and that's I think that's why personally I always I've always been interested in the revenge genre because ultimately you get the catharsis, but what do you actually achieve? Yeah, yeah. In terms of exacting that justice on that, and I think, and by the end of it, that Richard is the monster. He's the one who can't continue in the world any longer. Yes. 
you know, Mark has, has, has put that life behind him. He doesn't take drugs anymore, I assume, unless he's yeah. going out and getting shit-faced. <laughs> <laughs> uh, um, Spending a lot of time a on that couch. Yeah, exactly. I mean, he's going to be looking for somewhere else to live. I mean, <laughs> it's so harrowing. So he, so Richard makes Mark stab him because he, he just says, I don't know what I'm capable of. You know, I could take out your entire family, essentially. Yeah. He makes him. And he wants that at that stage. He wants to die. He says he wants to yeah. lie with his brother. Yeah. Um, and then poor old, I, I don't want to say poor old Mark. You know, he's he's out in that abandoned castle in his lounge pants covered but in blood. But we've all been what? in this situation where, <laughs> but we've all been there when. I have not we've... been in this specific <laughs> No, 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 no specific. <laughs> but we've all been in this. <laughs> Rob, what happened? <laughs> We've all been in a situation where we've seen something that shouldn't have happened, whether it's like at school or otherwise, where we could have done something and we didn't. I'm yes. sure, I, mean, yeah. I don't know, I yeah, don't mean yeah, to cast yeah, aspersions, yeah. yeah, but I just mean yeah, like yeah. day-to-day at school. You see it all the time at school. When yeah, you're like one your of your friends gets started on or gets in yeah, a fight. Yeah, 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 and, and you could like, have done something and you didn't, you didn't do and anything. Didn't, yeah. And I think that's and, where and it Richard's brings... motivation comes from, is that if he'd been there, he wouldn't have he could have stopped this from happening. Yeah. And also, you know, Mark is paying the price for the guilt that he's felt that he didn't stop that or he didn't stay with Anthony. Yeah. Afterwards. Yeah. Um, And, you know, I think what Meadows is sort of saying here is that some people deserve to die. I think that's quite clear in the film. You know, um, these, the first six, five or six, whatever it is, they're scumbags. Yeah, and they deserve it. And you know, within the context of the film, you with Richard on in that instance. But yeah. then at some point, there has to be a, there has to be scope for people to change and rehabilitation and forgiveness. Yeah, and ultimately, revenge doesn't pay. Yeah, no, absolutely. And that's I think that's the key message of the whole film, isn't it? Revenge doesn't pay. But the the runtime of the film runs at eighty six minutes, doesn't it? Yeah. Do you think the film could have done? And I I don't know what the right answer to this is with a little bit of insight into why the likes of Herbie, Soz, Tough, Gypsy John were the way they were? No, I don't think so, because we, I think we all have come across these types of characters. Yes, yeah. 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 Herbie's hat alone sort of says it all. Well, this is a <laughs> <nice> straightness <laughs> converse- yeah. combination is so early 90s, early 2000s. Lovely. It? I think Lovely. I had the like jumper equivalent to his hat. <laughs> <laughs> no, just but I, I, I'd be quite interested, in a sense, to see that. I, I, but in the concept of the film, I don't think it works, and I think you're right. I don't think we need to see that. No. Before, just before we sort of approach our, our wrap up, sort of, um, I've been bursting to talk about the most disgusting sound design moment of any film I've ever watched um, and I hadn't I, I I remembered it the first time I watched it but it really stood out this time it was the moment when uh, Herbie gets a knife between his ribs and when he's Richard's holding him and he's sort of, he coughs a couple of times and then Richard pulls it out and there's an audible scrape of knife on oh, bone God. It's, it's so, I mean, it's, it's so grisly. It, it is. Like, that is, and that's, you don't see a thing, you just hear it. And it is the most grisly, um, graphic thing 
Um, I think in this whole film, and there's a few grisly graphic things in this film. Poor uh, Tuff. Rest in peace, Tuff. Rest in peace, Potato Head, in the suitcase. <laughs> <laughs> and I think um, before we do wrap up as well, I think it'd be remiss of us not to talk about our own sort of history with this film and where yeah, we that's were true. That's true. when this film came out. So it's made by Warp Films, which are a Sheffield-based production company, and this was their first feature film. And I think us doing filmmaking in Sheffield at university at the time, we were sort of predisposed to liking this film because this was the sort of thing that we would hopefully one day aspire to make. Mm, I think. Yeah. yeah. But I think like one of the surprising things for me over the last few years and, and why it sort of tentatively first got on the list for this, not because of critical reception or whatever, it's just that I'm not sure that many people have seen it. No. So yeah, um, I agree with you, man. I was very surprised. Like I've had, you know, met several people over the years where I've mentioned this film and they're just like, no idea what you're talking about. Yeah, mm. exactly. But when we when we were at uni, everyone had seen it. It was a. It may as well have been Star Wars. Everyone. Yeah, had it was. A, it was a huge <laughs> film. Especially no, seriously, like no, it's right. Yeah. Yeah. So I was always going through life thinking that this was this cult film, which. You know, in Britain at least, most people had seen, but it's really not the case at all. So I think that's no, why that true. this film was initially put on the list for this podcast. But then, yeah, it was such a a bonus and massive surprise that it actually fit the criteria of of the Rotten Tomatoes thing. Yeah, and I think we will do this as the podcast sort of progresses. We'll do our big episodes, you know, around Hard Target and Speed Racer, <laughs> these these big ten, you know, bigger budget extravaganzas that maybe didn't get the look in, but we'd also like to, you know, take the opportunity to shine the light on these underseen films that we think deserve yeah. more uh, more credit than they've actually got. And oh, yeah, totally. I, I think that's a really I mean, important... again, I'm, I'm still astounded that this film is rotten on Rotten Tomatoes. Yeah, it is classic. I mean, that sort of tells you how these aggregator sites work. and It does. While we're not led by that, I think a lot of people are, and a lot of people might not give this film the due that it deserves because it's rated as rotten it's, it's on worth, Rotten Tomatoes. It's worth pointing out that uh, the, the audience score on Rotten Tomatoes was a mighty 91%, which mm. is Wow, excellent. that is amazing. It's not that yeah. many, though. There's not that many audience reviews, oh, right, which, so is, sort of like, which yeah. is sort of, you know, that's exactly what we're, what we're saying is people haven't seen this film for whatever reason. It's a low-budget film, you know. It yeah. is a low-budget British film, so it's obviously not going to hit the homes of Americans anytime soon unless it's you know, shown late at night or it's on Shudder or something like that. Um, yeah. So even access to it is difficult. But having said that, it's definitely good to chat about this film because on the off chance someone's listened to this who haven't seen it, uh, well, I hope they have now because we've just spoiled the shit out of it. <laughs> <laughs> um, There's not much I hope listen to James's advice in the opening frames, yeah, the opening moments. But yeah, just before you ask that final question, Rob, uh, just one more review, I think. Please do. This is from Chris Cabin on filmcritic.com. Um, Chris Cabin? Chris Cabin. Uh, As in the, the wooden house? The wooden house. Uh, uh, okay. The film is a failure, does nothing new... <laughs> or especially radical with the normal revenge flick. Um, again, missed all the subtext to it, I think. Is that... I mean, th- that was his entire review. Well, I mean, this is just a snapshot of that review. But Oh, uh, sorry, sorry, sorry. Uh, with all that in mind, gents, what do you think? I mean, are we urging people to reconsider this film? I think, I think from the uh, general tone of our discussion, I think we're looking at a fairly unanimous decision, aren't we? 
Absolutely. Well, you shouldn't assume, Rob, because I don't think we should reconsider <laughs> No, of course I do. I think it's absolutely brilliant. I think it's fantastic. Um, I don't think it's Shane Meadows' best film. I think This Is England, is, uh, which he followed this with, uh, is a stronger film, more coherent and has more to say, ultimately. But I think... He'd come off the back of making uh, Once Upon a Time in the Midlands, which I don't think he felt he'd done his best work on. And this was him really getting back to down to his guerrilla filmmaking style and the relationship that he'd then build with warp films that would see him through. Yeah, I I think that uh, like you know it's no question this film should be reconsidered, especially for people who haven't seen it, and especially for those people who really slated it uh, across the pond when it came out um i am honestly perplexed by some of those reviews i i just don't see where they're coming from at all i agree with you james um i th- i don't think this is shane meadows's best film but you know it's definitely that film where i do think you know people within the film community you know people who would go to the independent cinema on a friday to watch these little british films did start to take notice of shane meadows before this is england propelled him into like mainstream UK conscience, I guess. Um, and I, yeah, I think it's brilliant. I think across the board, it's fantastic. Yeah, I I, I went into this, uh, watching this again after a couple of years this week, thinking that um, I know I like it. Um, and I liked it again on watching it. Um, and I started seeing things in it that I hadn't seen before uh, with a fresher eye with years out. Uh, and then talking it through with you guys tonight, I actually don't just think it's a good film. Um, I think it's a really good piece of work. Um, oh, yeah. So I, I'm like, um, definitely reconsider this and go and watch uh, uh, Dead Man's Shoes again. Um, like we just said, though, it's kind of hard to get hold of. It's not on any streaming services or sites or anything like that. But um, it is uh, Blu-ray available. Although I believe, James, did you get like that cheeky little documentary on DVD or was that on Blu-ray? Yeah, it's a, I've had this on DVD for years basically since it come out and there's a little documentary on it it's probably on youtube if you search it called uh shane's world or something like that and it's just it's just like a head-to-head sort of um conversation with shane meadows where he talks about the genesis of the film and how certain elements of it are autobiographical like they are a lot with a lot of his films and then just the journey from uh getting the film made to taking it to the edinburgh film festival and there's a lovely uh uh, at the Edinburgh Film Festival, you see a very uh, enthusiastic Toby Kebble with spiky hair of the time in the uh, in the background, and he looks absolutely delighted to be involved with the film. Oh, so what it's a dude. Well what worth a, a watch. It's about 20 minutes. It's really good. Oh, I'd love to find that out, because the Blu-ray had nothing. Did it not? Nada. Yeah, oh, no, it's on, the, uh, it's, it's on the original DVD, so you can probably pick that up for about £2 oh, from out. Amazon. I'll check it out. So that's the end of another glorious episode. If you'd like to get in touch with the show, we're on Twitter at For Your Reconsideration. Give us a follow. We're also on Letterboxd at, as a Reconsider Pod, where you can check out the star ratings for each of the films we cover and also what's coming up on future episodes. If you want to get in touch with us in a more long-form manner, then drop us an email at reconsiderpod at gmail.com. Keep it friendly, though, yeah? Thanks so much for the download. If you enjoyed what you've heard, why not subscribe and give us a five-star review? It takes no time at all and helps more folks discover us. Thanks for listening and uh, join us next time. Take it easy. Say goodbye, boys. See ya. Bye-bye. At ease. At ease. At ease. What does that mean?